Jake Asman and Dan Budick break down the world of sports right here, right now on VIC Radio. It's the Asher and Show, live from the campus of Ithaca College right here on VIC Radio. Voice of Ithaca College Radio, Jake Asman alongside Dan Budick, taking you until midnight on the program. Lots to get to. Mets are in the World Series. Dan's happy. Hmm. Everyone, the Mets fans, the bandwagon, it's going strong. We'll touch on the Mets in the second part of the show, of course. And NFL, week number seven, it's hard to believe where we are, Dan, but lots to get to. Jets, Pats today, Giants, Cowboys. We'll discuss all that and, of course, open up the phone lines a little bit later in the show. But, Dan, today's Jet game, a frustrating one to say the least, a game that the Jets had a very good chance of winning, a game when you look at it from several different perspectives, several different plays that they didn't make in this game was really the difference. Tom Brady was terrific for the Patriots in that fourth quarter, and the Jets' injuries to their defense, especially late in that game, really cost them, you know, not having Buster Screen out there, not having Calvin Pryor. And despite all that, this game was close late, and if the Jets make maybe one or two more plays that they didn't make today, we're looking at a different result. But a very frustrating game today. They go into Foxborough. And they lose by seven points, 30-23 to the final. But as two of the biggest Jet fans out there, you know, watching this game, watching how close they were, only to see them just come up a bit short again in Foxborough, very disappointing. That's very disappointing. It was a very disappointing game, more so not that they lost to the Patriots, but the fact that I thought they played a pretty good football game. And Ryan Fitzpatrick, outside of the fumble on the second snap from scrimmage for the Jets' offense in the first quarter, played pretty efficient. I thought he was pretty good. Threw for almost 300 yards, two touchdowns, did not throw an interception. Uh, and the Jets should have won this football game. You know, they had some injuries. You said it. Uh, screen not being there at the end, uh, that, that killed them. It really did hurt them. But the bottom line is they make one of two plays, they win this football game. If Brandon Marshall catches that touchdown pass in the front right corner of the end zone uh, and it doesn't go through his hands on third down, they score a touchdown, that, that, and that, uh, that, that probably wins the game. Then they have to kick a field goal fine. Well, then they go up. If, they, if Marshall catches that touchdown, we'll start there, and they go up 23-16. I think they would have won the game. I mean, that changes everything. Well, no. You, well, actually, they'd be up 24-16 because they had 17. 16. So they would be up 24-16, and the way the offense was playing, the way they would be gelling at that point late in that game, you put that type of pressure on New England, you're very well right here. The Jets probably win that game if Marshall makes that play. And then the other play I know you're going to talk about, the third and 17. you got to make that play. You, gotta, you, you cannot allow a, a football team, in the, a National Football League team, any team in football, uh, and I don't care what level, third and 17, nonetheless, the New England Patriots and this offense, third and 17, the fact that you put them in a position of third and 17 to begin with is impressive. And then what do you do? You allow a 25-yard pass over the middle. I think it was to Amendola over the middle. It might have been Edelman. I don't know off the top of my head. It was, was to so, Amendola. I, yeah. Amendola, I was so frustrated. I mean, that, that in my opinion, I said after that play, they're going to lose this game. I mean, come on, third and 17 in a spot like that? I understand Buster Screen wasn't on the field, but you've got to make that play. You've got to make those plays. Those are the type of plays in the game you've got to make. And, Jake, if they make one of those two plays, if they make both of them, obviously they win the game. But if they make one of those two plays, they win the game. And it's a shame because those two plays not being made gave the Patriots life, and they went down the field, and Tom Brady did what he did. He torched the, the Jets' defense. Uh, a little bit of banged-up Jets' secondary, he torched them. It's frustrating because they were backed up in their own zone. It's third and 17, the way this defense plays, and they give up that bomb over the middle to Amendola, who's wide open. And that can't happen if you're an elite defense. If the Jets make that play there, they're getting the ball back, fresh off 
the field goal they, they did score. The absolutely. I mean, at that point, they have 20 points on the scoreboard. They're getting the ball back. You run off more clock. Who knows the way the offense played in the previous drive. You're thinking, hey, at the minimum, maybe we can get another three points and keep the ball away from Brady. But, I mean, that was the game-defining play there, the third and 17 when the Patriots are backed up in their own end and their own side of the field, and they allow the Patriots to be able to convert on that play. It was very disappointing because they had, up until that point, I thought the Jets' defense did a really nice job on Tom Brady they did great for most job. of the day. I mean, the Patriots receivers, they dropped a lot of passes today. Don't get me wrong. And, of course, we saw Edelman drop a touchdown. But the bottom line is the Jets' defense, for the most part, did a pretty decent job. We saw Sheldon Richardson get in there and get after the quarterback a couple times. We saw him finish with two sacks today. We saw Muhammad Wilkerson do a decent job getting in there as well. We saw the secondary make plays when they had to. And, for the most part, the Jets did a decent job containing Tom Brady. But in that fourth quarter, when we saw Calvin Pryor go down, Brady was able to really get comfortable. He threw to Gronk what felt like almost every other play. And then losing screen to his injury, his shoulder injury, that one hurt as well. So they were down Pryor and screen late in that game. And that absolutely really hurt this defense. And Tom Brady, as great of a quarterback as he is, he did what he did. He took advantage of it. And the Patriots are a better team than the Jets right now, not because their roster is so much better than the Jets, but because they have Tom Brady and no other team in the NFL does right now. And that's how well Tom Brady played today. But it's disappointing because despite as well as Brady played, had Marshall caught that touchdown where Fitz put that ball right on the money, Fitzpatrick did a great job today. I thought he played really well considering he had no run game and Ivory really didn't give him much after he got hurt early on in this one. And not only did the Jets not capitalize with that open touchdown to Marshall, I mean, it's what we're talking about. Defensively, this game really stems down to that third and 17. The Jets' defense never recovered. That was the play defensively that ended the game, as far as I'm concerned. You want to talk about you know, the, the, the pass to Rob Gronkowski, the little floater. He was wide open. There was no one there. I mean, the game was over, in my opinion, at that point. I, I was checked out of the game as a Jet fan when they converted on that third and 17. How do you let that happen? And Darrell Revis said it after the game. He said that third and 17 conversion changed the momentum in the favor of the Patriots, and it did. And I agree with you. I thought the Jets played really well today for most of the game. And I was pretty impressed. And if you take one positive out of this game, and I'm not saying this because I'm, I'm a Jet fan. I'm saying it because I'm, I'm a football fan. The Jets can hang with the Pats. They played, I thought they played a pretty good game. I thought defensively, I thought they had a great game plan for Rob Gronkowski for most of the game. He did not kill them until the fourth quarter when it really got out of hand, when they were missing Buster Screen, when they were missing uh, Calvin Pryor. When those guys were in there, I thought the Jets did a pretty good job limiting the amount of big-time plays this Patriots uh, offense was making. I understand there were some drops, but the Jets had some drops, too, as we saw we talked about in the end zone with Brandon Marshall. I thought the Jets played a good game. I mean, they, they out-yarded the Patriots by 19 yards. And let's look I at mean, the Jets, the Jets had the ball for a longer amount of time, the Patriots. Did. And let's look at Ryan Fitzpatrick today, 22 of 39, 295 yards and two touchdowns. And those are pretty good numbers for a guy that did it without a running game. Chris Ivory, because of his hamstring injury, only had 41 yards on 17 carries today. So you look at how the Jets did overall. I mean, you got to give credit to Fitzpatrick because without a run game, I thought he played pretty well. He did a nice job scrambling out of the pocket, making plays with his feet when it wasn't there. I thought Ryan Fitzpatrick played really well today for the Jets, and I thought the Jets collectively as a football team, not only did they play well, they played well enough to win the game today. It wasn't like they were overmatched by New England. They went in up to Foxborough, excuse me, and the Patriots just took it to them. The Jets were there for most of this game. They looked like the better team, and it's disappointing with the outcome because this is a very winnable game, a game they, they could have beat the Patriots in their building for the first time since the playoff game in 2010. 
And you really look at where the Jets are right now. They proved, yeah, they could play with the Patriots. But I will say this. I liked what they said after the game. You talk, you talk about a guy like Brandon Marshall taking accountability, saying I should be on a, I should walk back to New York. You know what? Brandon Marshall is an outstanding football player, and he was not the reason why they lost today. And without Brandon Marshall, the Jets wouldn't be where they are right now at 4-2. and two. But I like the accountability from your star wide receiver putting it all on him. I love what the Jets said after the game, saying that this is not a moral victory. There's no such thing as a moral victory. Now, we get, that's up for debate if there is such a thing as a moral victory. But I think the Jets genuinely believed that they were the better team today. Well, they, let one, the they, they let one slip. They weren't just content with being in this game, and that's a positive. Does it suck they lost? It absolutely does because I thought they could have won this game today. But at the end of the day, the Jets got to remember they're 4-2, and two, and the Jet fans got to settle down just a bit. I'm as angry as any Jet fan out there. I was ticked off today. I flipped the table in the apartment watching the game with you, Dan. It was very frustrating watching this today. But – I think when you look at this Jets team overall and where they are, I mean, a year ago they were in the midst of losing eight straight games in a row at this point in the year. They lost six straight games at this point last year in the season. So for where they are right now, sitting at 4-2 and two, with two winnable games coming up against Oakland and against um, Jacksonville, you got to feel pretty good if you're a Jet fan right now. It stinks to lose, but they didn't look overmatched today, as you said. And they look like they can easily compete with the Patriots in this division. Well, that's what the most frustrating part was. And, and we've watched the Jets over the last well, handful of years, I mean, really get smoked by the Patriots. I mean, whether it was 45-3, uh, butt fumble. I mean, we've seen the Jets get smoked by the Patriots. And, and it's frustrating because they were in this game. I thought they had an excellent game plan offensively. I thought defensively they had a pretty good game plan. It just... It just uh, a few things slipped away, and it seemed like the momentum really changed in that fourth quarter uh, when the Jets missed a touchdown pass to Brandon Marshall, and then on third and 17, I mean, you allow that big play, 25, 26-yard gain on third and 17. You can't let that happen. I mean, if you're and if you're the type of defense that the Jets are and want to be, you can't allow that play to happen. You've got to be able to make a third and 17 stop. I'm sorry, you have to. You're right, and at the end of the day, the Jets were the road team going into – Foxborough, where teams go to die, it seems like, facing the defending Super Bowl champions, facing, in all likelihood, this year's NFL MVP and Tom Brady. We know how good the Pats are. I'm but not saying, yeah, I'm the not Jets, saying anything but the, the Patriots. Yeah, but the Jets were there, though. That's what's frustrating, because they exactly. were right there. They could have won this game today. They made a, a handful more plays. We talked about the two big ones, the third and 17, and, of course, Brandon Marshall's drop in the end zone, which should have been an easy touchdown, because... You look at Ryan Fitzpatrick today. I mean, had Brandon Marshall caught that football and the Jets finish, um, you know, with a win today, and you look at what Fitzpatrick did, over 300 yards passing and three touchdowns, you easily sign up for that. But I think when you look at this Jets game and you look at where they were as a team, the special teams mistakes hurt them today. Steve Weatherford had two punts of 31 yards and of 34 yards. I mean, you're not going to win many games when your punter's giving the New England Patriots short fields. And the turnover battle, I know it didn't kill them, but that fumble by Ryan Fitzpatrick at the beginning, that hurt them because he gave them three points right away. If you're on the road and you're going to lose the turnover battle, and if you're on the road and you're going to lose uh, the special teams battle, it's tough to win games. It is tough to win games. I thought the Jets did a really good job defensively uh, after that turnover. They held the Patriots to, what, a three and out? And then they kicked the field goal after that uh, Fitzpatrick turnover on the Jets' second play. So, uh, you know, yeah, they got three points right away. But if they got seven, I thought it would have been costly. They were able to hold it to three. It's just it's just frustrating that the Jets played, a, I thought, a pretty good football game. But, you know, again, they didn't execute at the end of, uh, at the end of the fourth quarter, midway through the fourth quarter, to, to put this game away. And they had an opportunity to. 
and they just couldn't take advantage of it. I think anytime you uh, take Tom Brady and you put him, I mean, the guy had to throw 54 times. He, he was 34, 50, uh, 54, 355, two touchdowns. I mean, the Jets completely eliminated the running game. They only Tom Brady only handed the ball off five times. Uh, the Patriots had one rushing yard today. I mean, the Patriots. Tom Brady were, was their leading rusher. T- Tom, I mean, the Patriots were a one-dimensional. This was a one-dimensional football team today. And 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 in, in an ideal situation, when you're playing a team, whether it be the New England Patriots or anyone else, you want to make a team one-dimensional. And the Jets made the New England Patriots one-dimensional today. It just was too much. Tom Brady just was able in that fourth quarter with a few injuries on the defensive side of the ball of the Jets. Uh, take advantage, and, and he, you was able to take advantage by uh, getting the ball to, to number 87, Rob Gronkowski. And, uh, you know, for Gronkowski, 11 catches, a buck eight in the air, one touchdown, and that 26-yard uh, completion was really the dagger for the Jets. But, again, it's only their second loss. We said coming into this week that if the Jets lose this week to the Patriots, it's not a killer. I think the most frustrating thing for uh, me and you as Jet fans and Jet fans all over is the fact that they were in this football game. They had an opportunity to win it, and they just couldn't shut and the I door. And I don't even want to say that they got beat by the better team today. I, that's what I'm saying. Like, like, to say the Patriots, are the Patriots a better team than the Jets? I'm not arguing that. They are. But they weren't today. I thought the Jets outplayed the Patriots for the majority of this football Except game. Except the biggest thing is Tom Brady was terrific today, and he took advantage of the guys that were banged up on the Jets' defense once they went down. Once Calvin Pryor and, and Buster Screen went down, Really changed the whole complexion of this game. We saw Gronkowski have that many more touches in that fourth quarter. I mean, they were throwing him on almost every play. And even though the Patriots, yes, they had a lot of drops today. I mean, you look at what the Jets were dealing with themselves. I mean, they didn't have Chris Ivory. I mean, I know Chris well, Ivory caught was, a touchdown I pass. I think that and, was a big part of But that's huge. That's I mean, huge. this guy had over 300 yards the previous two games combined. You look at where he was today, and the Jets were a team that was going to try and run the football on the New England Patriots and keep Brady off the field, dominate the time of possession. And even though they still won the time of possession, it wasn't what it could have been had they been able to run the football effectively. And I think that's a testament to Ryan Fitzpatrick. Because he still played a really good game, despite the fact that the Jets didn't exactly have the number one rushing offense out there today. Fitzpatrick, I'll give you his stats again. I mean, he threw for almost two, uh, 300 yards. He finished with like 295 yards, threw two touchdowns. And I know his fumble hurt the Jets early on, but the Jets' defense, they only it did they, kill them. They held the Patriots to just three points there. So it didn't destroy them. And listen, it's a turnover nonetheless. But I thought overall, and I, I said this before, I'll say it again, I thought Ryan Fitzpatrick played well enough to be this game's winning quarterback, it's just unfortunate that you know Tom Brady's Tom Brady, and uh, it's, just, it's frustrating as a Jet fan. We keep using that word because this game was right there for them. They really had a great chance to steal one today. No, it was right there for them, and I think another thing um, is just in the rushing game is Chris Ivory obviously got banged up on that first play, which was disappointing, but they didn't have Bilal Powell in there. Powell was not a factor. And then uh, they give the ball to Zach. Zach Stacy's not a good running back, Jake. Zach Stacy cannot carry the ball as a team's number two running back. He's a he's a he's a situational type of guy. But Zach, you can't give Zach Stacy the ball as your as your number two back. Really, at times their number one back when Chris Ivory wasn't in there. The Jets didn't have much of a running game at all today. And Ryan Fitzpatrick rushed for 29 yards himself. And the Jets were really, for the most part, a one-dimensional football team today. And I agree with you. I think Ryan Fitzpatrick did a good job uh, keeping the Jets in the game. I thought Eric Decker did a nice job today. Finished with six catches for 94 yards. And even Brandon Marshall. We just said this, but. I mean, the guy is not the reason why they lost the game today. That was a big play in the game, but I think Brandon Marshall not catching that touchdown was not the difference in this game. It was a big play, and it would have helped if he caught it, but we shouldn't be having this conversation because if the Jets don't allow that third and 17 when the Patriots are backed up on their own side of the field, change the whole complexion of the game. Bingo, that's the play. I mean, it's disappointing that Brandon Marshall didn't catch the touchdown pass. I was frustrated when it happened, but 
I said that's not that can't be a killer. You can't lose a game because of that. And they didn't. It was that third and seventeen play that they'll have for a first down. That was the difference. That was the momentum swinging in the game, and it felt like at that point the Jets were not going to win this football game, and that was exactly the case. That was the turning point, in my opinion, of that fourth quarter. That that first down play, that conversion was huge for the Patriots. It got the momentum going, and it gave Tom Brady another opportunity to take advantage of a Jets secondary that was a little banged up coming in to that fourth quarter. Unflippable, unflappable, unleakable. The Gusbuster is the only umbrella that won't flip inside out, rip, tear, or leak. Capable of withstanding winds over 55 miles per hour. All of our umbrellas are constructed of the finest quality materials and backed by a limited lifetime guarantee. What are you waiting for? Visit GusBuster.com and get your Gusbuster today. Jake Asman and Dan Budick break down the world of sports right here, right now on VIC Radio. Back here on VIC Radio, Dan Budick alongside Jake Asman, the Asman and Budick Show, switching over to baseball, uh, the World Series. It's the World Series on Tuesday night. The New York Mets, the National League champion New York Mets, taking on the American League champion Kansas City Royals, and I think this has the making uh, to be a really good World Series. I think both teams are uh, coming... Uh, playing extraordinarily extraordinarily good baseball right now. Uh, you look at a team like the Kansas City Royals, they put a lot of balls in play. They're a very good uh, team. They hit the fastball well, and you, you bring against the, the Mets' young arms who throw 95-plus miles an hour. Uh, it sets up for a great series. It's going to be exciting. And, I mean, first off, I mean, the fact that we're talking about a Mets-Royals World Series. Pretty amazing. Pretty, it really is amazing. I mean, two years ago, if someone said to you, the Mets and the Royals are going to meet in the World Series, Two years from now. It wouldn't, uh, I, would, I wouldn't. I uh, No chance I would have believed it. You wouldn't. I just You look at where these two teams were. The Royals last year got to the World Series. Everyone couldn't believe their turnaround. And you look at the Mets. I mean, two years ago, this team was one of the worst teams in baseball. And here they are two years later with the young pitching that they have and the clutch hitting they've been getting from Daniel Murphy, who's unconscious right now with what he's doing uh, in the postseason with all the home runs that he's hitting. Joanna Cespedes, what he did to help get them to this point. David Wright had some big hits. We saw Lucas Duda break out in game four of the NLCS. So the Mets are getting the big hit at the right time. How about Terry Collins and the job he's done as a manager of this team? Every decision that he's made has worked out well, whether it was using Familiar for six outs in game five of the divisional series or for going to John Neese in that critical game, uh, game two, when he got that big out in the game Syndergaard pitched. The Mets have done everything right up until this point. And I think it's a great series. I think the Royals are a better matchup for the Mets than the Blue Jays would have been. I think the Royals are a team that can handle a fastball much better than the Blue Jays can. They're not dependent on the home run ball as Toronto is. I think the Royals can beat you with their scrappiness, their ability to steal bases, their great bullpen at the back end if they get a lead. I think it's going to be a really good World Series. I could see it going six, seven games. And I think you can make a case for both sides. And I think if you're baseball, you just want a competitive series because, once again, Two years ago, we said to you, you're going to be seeing the Mets and the Royals in the World Series. No one would believe you. So parity in baseball is a good thing. And the fact that we're talking about the Mets in the World Series for the first time since the year 2000, pretty unbelievable. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's going to be a really good World Series, too. Uh, I think as far as the matchups are concerned, uh, I don't think the Mets um, taking on the, the Royals are that big of a, a drop-off from the Jays as far as uh, that's concerned. I think even though the Blue Jays do – yeah, our big swing and miss type teams. I didn't like the way these Mets arms matched up against with a lot of the uh, the Blue Jays hitters. I felt 
Uh, if they played the Blue Jays, I think the Blue Jays are more of a team that can handle uh, uh, fastballs inside. The Mets are, have a pitching staff that likes to come inside, like to dominate inside. So as far as that concern, I, I think either team's good, either team's really good. But I think it's going to be a great World Series. I think both teams uh, can win it. And I think both teams have attributes that, that championship teams have. Both teams have been able to come up with big hits, come up with big uh, plays in the in the postseason. Uh, the Royals beating up on the Blue Jays there and, and winning and the way they won game six and the way the Mets played against the Chicago Cubs, uh, sweeping them off their feet in four games. Oh, man, this is going to match up. This is going to be a really good World Series starting on Tuesday night. Well, I'll tell you what. I don't think either team is going to be swept in the series. I don't think we'll be seeing the Mets in four or the Royals in four. I think it's going to be a really good series. I think you look at it from the standpoint of what the Royals can bring from an offensive standpoint. They're not a team that's going to necessarily just rely on home runs. As I was saying earlier, they could beat you with base hits. You know, they look to rally against you. They're not looking for that one big home run to blow a game open. And they could steal bases on you as well. And I think the experience that they got a year ago by going all the way to Game 7 and losing to Madison Bumgarner and the San Francisco Giants in a thrilling Game 7 that it was a year ago could be something that really helps them in this series. The experience that they gained last year, using it this year, we saw them you know, kind of have to scrap their way back. They overcame the fact that Toronto was closing in on coming back from a 3-1 deficit in the ALCS, and they found a way to get it done. I think it's going to be a really good World Series. I think for the Mets, one key is going to be Lucas Duda. I think if he's a guy that found something in Game 4 and he can carry it into the World Series, I think that's huge because as great as Daniel Murphy is, you can't expect him to hit a home run every game in the World Series, so other guys are going to have to contribute. Can it be a guy like David Wright that got it going in that Game 3? Can it be Ioannis Cespedes, who really helped carry the Mets here, Curtis Granderson? You go through this Mets lineup, they got a lot of really good, solid hitters themselves. I think they're going to need production out of this Mets lineup because the Kansas City Royals are going to be able to score more runs than the Cubs did, obviously, off this Mets pitching. Well, I think both the Mets and the Royals lineup-wise are pretty similar. I think both teams I are agree. extremely deep, and both teams, I think, can beat, can beat you on the bases. I think both teams are not uh, relying on the long ball, and that's what really did the Cubs in. Uh, against the Mets, is they they are a team that, and to their credit, they got to the National League Championship Series doing it. That really just is is a team where they're going to go gap to gap. They're looking to hit the ball out of the ballpark. It was their approach in f- all four games. It did not change, um, and it got them there. So why change it? And against those hard throwing arms of the Mets, it's the old adage in baseball. You know, good pitching really neutralizes and beats up on good hitting, and that's what happened. And but I think both teams, the Mets and the Royals. Very, very similar in the way their lineups are constructed. Both teams are very deep. And I'll tell you what, I like the fact that uh, the first two games are uh, going to be in Kansas City, and I'll tell you why. I think the way the Mets lineup, it, the way they construct construct their lineup and their defensive outfield alignment is going to be phenomenal. They can go into the series with Yoannis Cespedes in left, with, oh, with, excuse me, Michael Conforto in left, Yoannis Cespedes in center, and they could go, uh, they could go, uh, in right field, they could DH Granderson. They could put Kadir in left. They could do a lot of different things to, um, to 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 lengthen out their lineup a little bit. And they could even throw Juan Lagares in center field if you don't want to let match up against Conforto. They, there's a lot of things the Mets can do in an American League ballpark with the fact of the DH and how many quality outfielders they have on the team. And they could sure up their outfield defense doing that too. So I, I think the the matchup for the Mets is good. I think for the matchup for the Royals is good too. They hit the fastball very well. Yeah, so. I mean the Royals this postseason are hitting 271. The Mets are hitting 235. So the, the Royals have a lot of guys that hit for average, and that's huge in the postseason 
once again, I mean, as a Yankee fan, I've seen, other than the 0-9 team, I've seen a lot of times these Yankees teams get into the playoffs, and they're so, you know, heavy set on the home run ball that home runs only happen when pitchers make mistakes for the most part. Well, I think they occasionally you'll see a guy that gets a, a good pitch to hit and he's able to make something out of it even if it's not, you know, right down the middle. But for the most part, home runs are mistakes. And I think the, what the Royals do is they are very good against fastballs. You know, they put them, they'll, they'll take a base hit the other way if they have to. And I think you look at the Mets and how well they pitch, they're going to need that type of effort from Syndergaard and from Mats and from Harvey and Negrom if they want to win this series, obviously, because they were unconsciously good in the, against the Cubs. They were great. I mean, yeah, they, were good, they were good against the Dodgers, And they too. were. And they, you know, the, throughout this postseason, the Mets starters have been tremendous. But I think this is going to be the best offense that they have seen in the postseason. I know the Cubs, they won 97 games during the regular season, and they have a lot of great hitters. But I think over the course of 162 games, you could put up big offensive numbers against teams number four and number five starters. Heck, the Dodgers have a $300 million payroll, and their number three starter, Brett Anderson, got shelled in game three of that uh, Mets-Dodgers series. So I think in the playoffs, you're looking for guys that aren't necessarily home, home run hitters. I think the Royals present that to the Mets. I think the fact that the games are in Kansas City to start off, I mean, could either help the Mets if they're able to get one in Kansas City and go back for three at City Field, or if they're down 2-0 going back to City Field, you know you have at least three games at home. So I don't think where the games are is really going to have that big of an impact in this series. I think the Mets have shown throughout the course of this postseason they could play on both home or away. And this is a team that earlier in the season, really for most of the season, was the worst uh, road team in baseball. I mean, the Mets couldn't win a game on the road the first half of the season. And then, you know, with some of the moves they made and how hot they got, the second half of the season they, they were pretty good. On the road, I think they had the second best uh, road record in the second half in baseball. But again, I think I, I think it's going to be a great series. I think the way that both these teams are very similar. I, I you know you give the starting pitching edge to the Mets just because of the guys they have going. I mean the Royals have a team here at like You would give series. you would give the starting pitching edge to the Mets. You'd probably give the bullpen edge to the Royals because they have more than no, just one guy. Absolutely, have a great. That's their that's, that's their, their that's the heart of their team. That's it, why the Mets the can't really bullpen. afford to get down in this series because then you really test this Royals bullpen and we know how good they are with Wade Davis anchoring it from the closer spot at the end of that bullpen. And I think what the Royals have, you look at the lineups, the Mets and Royals lineups. I think it's pretty comparable. I don't think one team is significantly better than the others. Especially the way Daniel Murphy is hitting right now, the second coming of Babe Ruth. So it's been unreal. I mean, it's it really, unconscious. It's it's been unbelievable. But I, I think for the Mets to win this series, obviously they're going to be rely on their starting pitching. That's what got them here. That's what's been uh, their reason behind all their success, even during the regular season. So, listen, I think it's going to be a great World Series. I think both teams have a great chance of coming home with it. I, I do too. I think it's going to be a very good World Series. I think both these teams are, are young and hungry. But um, I agree with you. I think the fact that you know, you had a Royals team last year that kind of just snuck into the playoffs. No one really knew what to expect. They go all the way to the World Series and uh, lose in seven games. A, a really tough series to the Giants. Uh, almost won that seventh game in that ninth inning off Madison Bumgarner. Couldn't pull it out. And then this year they come back and go to the World Series. I mean, they're, they're, for, they're legit. They're for real. Uh, they're a very good team. And, you know, say what you will about Ned Yost as a man. He has gotten, this, give him team, credit. Give credit. He's gotten this team back to the World Series. Um, but again, last year they had a tough opponent in the Giants. This year they're playing a team that's pretty hot in the Mets. So I think it's gonna it has the makings to be like you said a six or seven game series. I really really believe that. Six zero seven two seven four eighteen four two. Let's talk some Mets. Kyle in Alabama. Kyle, what's going on? Hey, what's up? What's up, Kyle? What's going on? Nothing. So I'm I'm gonna predict the Mets to win in five games. Just five games. Five ga five games. Solely based on their pitching. Hopefully five games on there Sunday night to celebrate with them. Are you going to the World Series? 
I am. Oh, man, you're, wait, you're in Alabama. You're flying home to New York to go to the game? Yes. Well, you know what? Um, I definitely think, listen, if the Mets can pitch the way they pit, they've pitched in this series, you know, and they could just do just enough to score some runs, listen, they can make these games pretty short. But, again, I think, you know, the, the, the uh, team like the Kansas City Royals, they hit the fastball very well. Um, I don't know if it'll be five. I think if a team wins, I think it'll be in six games. I think this series is going at least six. I just I think both these teams are really good, and it's very hard for me to say that you know either the that, that the Royals are only going to lose one game. Well, in this I'll tell series. you what, the X I'm factor. Only win one game in the this X series. factor for the Royals in this series is their starting rotation because you expect Harvey and, and Indigarama games one and two. They got to keep up with them to bring it. I mean, you look at what the the starters are for the for the Royals and what Edison Vokas you're going to get. Yannick gets bombed one start or pitches good the other start. And same thing with Cueto. Yeah, I was about to say, the same thing with Johnny Cueto, who's 1-1 one one this postseason with a 7-8-8 ERA in three starts. So what type of starting performance are you getting from Johnny Cueto? I mean, it's going to be one of those things where you just don't know until you watch these games. But I think to say the Mets are going to win in five, I wouldn't pick them in five. I think I agree with you, Dan. I think if a team's going to win, it's going to be in six or seven. But you know what? Um, uh, funny thing, I was, uh, I, I was just – you know, I was on t- I was on uh, you know my iPad the other day, and I went on uh, one of the Kansas City sports stations. Just 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 you know taking a feel for what they're talking about. You know, they're talking about the Chiefs. I don't care. You weren't and listening to the voice of Ithaca College. I wasn't at the time, but I I put on one of Kansas City sports talk stations, and they're talking about it. And they had callers calling up about the Mets. This was a couple days ago, and I was very very surprised. A lot of the Kansas City a lot, a lot of the Kansas City callers they were saying. You know, there's no chance the Royals are going to win this series. They don't have the pitching to keep up with the Mets. And, yeah, they don't. They might not have as good a starting pitching as the Mets, but I think when you get into these type of games and you get into the World Series and you get into the, you know, these, these series, these best-of-seven series, I think it just comes down to the team that executes the best is going to win these games. And it came down to it in the Mets series and in the Blue Jays, in the, in the Mets series against the Cubs and the Royal series against the Blue Jays. It, it's who executes at the end of the game. I don't think – I think starting pitching is going to be a huge part of it. I really do. But if you're tied 2-2, 1-1, and you're going into the seventh inning, both starters out of the game, I mean, it comes down to who's going to execute the most. I think there's going to be a few of those games. I don't think – I don't see a scenario – where a team's going to be up four or five nothing going into the seventh or eighth inning. I think both teams are too good. Both teams have have good enough starting pitching, I think, to pitch their game to pitch their teams deep into games. So that's why five games. I don't think so. Might happen. Have the Royals set their rotation yet? The Royals have not set the rotation yet officially. Kyle. Well, we think it's going to be Cueto, Lopez, Ventura. Ventura's probably been their best pitcher. He's been their best guy. And Cueto, yeah. Johnny Cueto, for the most part, since his since he got acquired, has been pretty shaky with the Royals. He hasn't been that ace. That a top ace that they thought they were getting when they traded for him uh, from the uh, Cincinnati Reds. They still got to the World Series. And they still got to the World Series. That's just a credit to how good they are. They're a very, very good team. But I think another thing is very interesting. Kyle, thanks for the call. Really appreciate it. Is the way each team is going to manage their bullpen. And a lot of people criticize the way Ned Yost manages his bullpen. Well, uh, Ned Yost almost lost in that game the other night. Well, that's night. what I'm saying. Is a lot of people Wade criticize. Wade Davis should have been in that game already. Oh, of course. He, he left Madison in there way he too long. And Jose Batista took advantage of it. Yeah, Ryan Madison should not have been in that game uh, that, as long as he was. And it, and it almost cost him. And and I think if you talk about manager and, strate- and, st- and strategics, i got to give the edge to Terry Collins. I, I've seen Ned Yost now manage. Uh, into two playoffs last year and this year, and he's so the way he manages his bullpen very quirky, um, and it just goes to show you, like you said in Game Six, he left Ryan Matson in way too long, and it almost cost them the game, and would have you know, and then it uh, would have went to a Game Seven, and who would have knows what happened? Lucky enough for them, 
you know, they were able to, after the rain delay, score the run on the base hit, and Kane came around from first to score, and that was the game. But Ned Yost does a little quirky things with the bullpen. I think if it comes down to um, the fact of, of, of which manager can manage their bullpen better, I think even though the Royals might have a better bullpen, I think Terry Collins might manage his bullpen better than Ned Yost does. Even though Ned Yost might have the better personnel, it seems Ned Yost sometimes you know, overmanages a little bit. Maybe a little bit of the you know, binder Joe, as you like to call Joe Girardi. He just overmanages his bullpen a little you bit. You just don't know where you're getting with Ned Yost. A lot of times he's all over the place. but He is. We'll give he's, him got a, he's got his team back in the I, World I, Series. That's what I'm going to say. Like, I mean, it's tough to rip a guy because he manages the Kansas City Royals, and you know, the Royals have stunk the past whatever, how many years they've stunk. The past two years, they're in the World Series. And they haven't so. won a World Series in 30 years. I mean, what's great about this World Series, though, is either the Mets are going to win the World Series for the first time since 1986, or the Royals, they haven't won since, what, 87? 85. Or 85. 85. It was 85. So both these teams haven't won in 29 and 30 years, respectively. So someone's having a parade for the first time in a very long time. I think it's going to be a great World Series. I think the fact that the Mets are here is just a testament to um, – the fact that a lot of the moves that Sandy Alderson has made over the last five years are paying off. The trades, the the low-key signings that really didn't um, make the back pages, maybe, of the Daily News and the New York Post, but were good signings, solid signings, and the acquisitions he made midseason are coming to fruition. I mean, this was a Mets team last year won 79 games, and the previous two years won 74 games. But here's the thing, too. You look at this Mets team, right? I mean, they, got, they won the division. No one thought they would do that. You know, anything they would do in the postseason was kind of house money, but everything just sort of clicked. They got hot. They're the hottest team in baseball. You know, they played their best baseball in the playoffs. You know, the Mets, you know, I know they won the, you know, the 13 short, the 11, whatever it was, the 11 or 13 in April they won in a row. 11, yeah. 11. So they won 11 games in a row in April. And, you know, but since then, they never played that well again throughout the course of this regular season. Even when they were winning after Cespedes, it was Cespedes just carrying them. Right now, it's everything's going right from the pitching to the bullpen to Terry Collins' decisions. To we know how good Daniel Murphy is, but Daniel Murphy has been unbelievable, uh, surreal. I mean, you never, so, you never it's been unbelievable. It's been you, there are no words, there's no adjectives to describe how good and how what Daniel Murphy has done, how phenomenal. It's and been. we've seen teams get hot before, but we've never seen a player get this hot. We've never seen a, a team alongside a player, you know, all come together at once like the Mets are doing right now. And that's, uh, you know, you give credit to everyone involved with it, but it really is just unbelievable because I think the Mets are a good team, but I think they're playing way over their head right now, and it's carried them all the way to the World Series. And really doesn't matter how they play in the regular season. If you get into the postseason, we always say it, anything can happen, and the Mets and Royals are perfect examples of that. And I said this uh, I think mid in August and in early September. If the Mets get into the playoffs, they are the type of team and they're, the way they're built is is for October. They're they're a team. They're, they're, they're built for a short they're series. They're built for a short series with the pitching they have and the back end of the bullpen they now have, and and the way they and the way they execute, it, they're built for this type of series. And there are a lot of teams that aren't. The the a perfect example uh, of that is a team like um, like the the way they were built this year, like the St. Louis Cardinals. St. Louis Cardinals are a really good team. Or the team. Dodgers. Or the Dodgers, too. But the St. Louis Cardinals, I think, are a, a good example. St. Louis Cardinals are a really, really good team. But they're the type of team that, in the regular season, when you're playing some certain teams, yeah, you're going to win these games. You know, They won 100 games. You're not taking anything away from them. But the way their starting staff is, is built, they're not necessarily a team that's built to win in October. And it showed because they won the first game against the Cardinals and they lost three straight. The Dodgers are another good example. The Dodgers are a team that has two really good starting pitchers. Now that's a whole team. And that's it. 
and that's it. And you they know started what? Brett Anderson in game three. And Brett Anderson stinks, and he was awful. And I know they and had the a Mets lot of Sheldon. injuries to their, their starting rotation. They were supposed to have McCarthy and a couple other guys that and went he down. Too. But, I mean, the Los Angeles Dodgers, they were a team predicated on two starting pitchers, and, yeah, that can get you to the postseason. But what happens if you lose one of those starts? You gotta be able. You gotta be able to. They lost the Kershaw start in Game One, and no, yeah, that that ultimately the Cubs, was the difference. And the Cubs are the same way. The Cubs are very similar. The Cubs are a team, and they had really they had two starting pitchers that uh, were top of the rotation guys. And their three and four starters stunk. And their three and four starters stunk. Were terrible. Hendricks stunk against the Mets. He was awful. And then you know, Hamill was bad too. And both of them didn't really give their team a chance yeah, to win. And it, and it just goes to show you. I mean, Hendricks was awful. It was awful. And it just goes to show you that this was a Mets team, and I said at the time, and I'll say it now, where they're just built for October. The way they're constructed when these seven games, the the, the best of seven in, in the NLDS, the best of five, they're just built that way. They have the starting pitching and the back end of the bullpen to compete with anyone. And I think the biggest thing is the way it all has all come together. I think you talked about a Mets team. With I mean, no one on this starting staff had any playoff experience coming into the season. And here, uh, besides, you know, Bartolo Colon, who they moved to the bullpen, no one who started he's in the been playoffs. Very good as well. And he's been very good when Terry has called upon him. No one in this Mets starting staff has had any experience in the bullpen, and you wouldn't know it. I mean, these guys have come in. They're going, you know, into the sixth, seventh inning, a couple of hits, a couple of runs maybe, and keeping the Mets right there. And they haven't gotten a bad start yet. They're starting at ERA is 2.81 which is the best in the postseason for any team, and obviously it's gotten them to the World Series. So I think the New York Mets are a team that is built to win at this time, and they're built to win right now, and it's going to be an excellent series against the Kansas City Royals.